1: Working on films like True Romance and Days of Thunder, he got to know experts in the business like Tony Scott and Jerry Bruckheimer, which led to him writing and directing films like Felon, Snitch, and Shot Caller. Now he's in the director's chair for the third installment of the Gerard Butler trilogy, Angel Has Fallen. In the new film, Secret Service agent Mike Banning is framed for the attempted assassination of the president and must evade his own agency and the FBI as he tries to uncover the real threat. In this exclusive chat, Wall discusses why he writes every single day, his focus on moral ambiguity in storytelling, the best advice he got from Jerry Bruckheimer, why the theme of a script is everything in filmmaking, and he shares a few details about the upcoming apocalyptic film, Greenland, which also stars Gerard Butler. If you enjoyed this interview, please also check out our new YouTube series, also called Creative Principles.
0: Yeah. You know, I grew up, um, in the business, uh, my father was, um, one of the, uh, uh, original members of Stunts Unlimited back in the day. And so they came up through the business, you know, through the stunt community and, you know, was trying to find my place in the sandbox, so to speak. You know, I didn't really like being in front of the camera. I liked being behind it and started coordinating, you know, pretty young. And, um, I was able to meet two gentlemen that really kind of helped shape a lot for me, which was Jerry Bruckhammer and, you know, the late Tony Scott, and really just about the being um, in a place to really form your own brand, you know, as a filmmaker and to understand the process of it and how to go about it, you know. And the evolution really changed for me, not only coming up as a director, you know, of action section units and commercials and, and so forth, but the real kind of big leap for me um was when I started writing, you know, and started working as um a studio writer, you know, in the business and wrote a number of things around town and, you know, was in the development process for a good um seven or eight years, not directing but just writing and it kinda of brought everything um full circle for me because I had this war chest of knowledge about how films were made and you know, there's nothing on a set I pretty much don't know, but You know, I didn't have a lot of um, experience or hardly any experience when it came into the, you know, getting movies made, writing scripts and, you know, and basically working writer school. So that whole side of it really kind of brought it all together to me to where, you know, I felt like it's more of the full package of to really start my brand of filmmaking. And that's where the movie Felon came about.
1: So I've talked to one or two stuntmen who have kind of went down this route and then also actors who have become writers and directors. You have a unique, a unique perspective because you get to see, you know, 50-plus people do this role. Um, you mentioned a few names already, but are there any stories that come to mind when you really knew you, you could do it all, be a director and, and handle that big responsibility?
0: You know, I feel like I'm learning every day. Uh, I still am, you know. Uh... It, yeah in my in my early twenties when I was already really kind of doing a lot of the big action movies in the stunt world and really understanding that process you know it, it gave me a lot of confidence to know that I could turn the corner but the thing that scared me is just not having the, the experience you know in the development side of it you know and, and and um coming from script and you know I'd get these these uh scripts to uh you know to direct and you know, at that point in my career, I mean, I'm getting the bottom of the barrel scripts. I'm not getting any of the good stuff. And, you know, it, and luckily I was naive enough to think, well, how hard is it to write a script? I'll just do it myself. And, um, luckily I had some mentors in that game that were big time working writers. And, you know, they allowed me to give them a script and it was shit. They would tell me why and, you know, and, t- and taught me about hooks and one sheets and really just how the process works. So, um, Luckily, the the great thing is uh, uh, for me is you know I love writing. You know um, I write every single day, and I felt like that part of it is where I really got the confidence to understand how to tell a story. Because at the end of the day, um, I think a lot of times um, people that come from crew, whether they're the stunt side of things or special effects or a lot of times camera, they're they're, they're great technicians, but they haven't really fleshed out the storytelling aspect of things. And I think the ones that have made it, you know, all the way across, I mean, obviously the godfather and the business, Hal Needham, you know, they were storytellers. You know, they knew how to make a movie work in story form, not just the technical side of it.
1: So you look at your films like uh, Felon and Snitch and Shot Caller, there's certainly... Uh, a high level of authenticity in the films. What are some of the characteristics you look forward? Are you trying to create something for a certain genre? Is it more about the character? What are some of your criteria there? It's about moral ambiguity. You know, I like to deal in the gray of things.
0: Um, I don't really like black and white stories as much. Um, I like that. you know, to hope that, you know, look, I mean, the truth is we don't live in, um, we don't live in a black and white world, especially today. Our our world's very gray, you know. And what I like about dancing in places where, you know, the prison system and how would we survive that, um, the mandatory minimum sentencing laws and snitch, you know, how far would we go how um against our own moral DNA to um to save our kids? You know, um will we coerce others? You know, and in Angel has fallen, you know, we all we all go through the struggles of life of our own mortality and you know, just like a professional athlete in this case, like banning, you know, you'll do it, and when you make it to the big game, you'll do everything you can to keep it you know, to stay there, even to the detriment of your own health. And you don't have to be a secret service agent or a professional athlete to understand that. You know, and then just all these different kind of hot topic it hot topic issues that I like to take on. And they're really just ways of pushing the 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 the, the the different uh, characters in the movie into points where they can only go left or they can only go right, but there's no backing up. And both are um, both decisions can have consequences and that way they feel more relatable to us. And also we like to, you know, you get that sense of ordinary people under extraordinary, um,
1: extraordinary circumstances. So you mentioned um, Jerry Brookhammer. A lot of those films, we don't, they're almost starting to kind of die out. We don't really see the original ideas that are in that, you know, 20 to $50 million range. We kind of just see indie films, and on the far spectrum, there's the big, you know, Marvel and, and studio films like that. Um, with those stories kind of moving towards television, what kind of inspires you to keep making these types of movies uh, versus looking at television yourself, I guess?
0: Um, Well, I am going to be doing some television. Um, There's a cable series that we're putting together. But I think to answer your question about movie making, I think that we're hitting a bit of a crossroad here. Um, There's definitely a lot of excitement in the Marvel franchise, you know, in the Fast and the Furiouses and these big, big mega budget uh, movies. You know, there's always going to be the tent poles. But I also think that we're in this age where, People are trying to get back to movies that have some type of emotional core, emotional thread. And, and that's what we wanted with Angel Has Fallen, was not to just make another, um, just shoot them up an action movie with no kind of motion or story to it. But to try to have your cake in it, too, where you can come in and, and enjoy a big action summer movie, but also a movie that has an emotional thrust and a story to it so that you're engaged in all levels. And I, I, you're know, and you now seeing these movies work. You're seeing these movies get to a place where they're really doing um, they're doing business and people are into them. And, you know, it's not just Angels Fallen. There are others um, in different genres that are really playing into the, the strengths of finding these these um, these middle-budget movies that are done for a good price or it rolls up their sleeves, puts as much as they possibly can into it, and the return can be great because, you know, the studio is not invested into hundreds and hundreds of millions. You know, so... Um, I think now that audiences are really kind of getting back to wanting stories told where the stories that have a good narrative flow to it, I think you're going to actually see a resurgence. Of a lot of these kind of movies. So
1: this is the third film kind of around the Mike Banning character. What were the new challenges for you, like making this film as far as the script and coming on board? Actually, when I saw the trailer, I didn't I didn't immediately make the connection that of the trilogy because it looked so unique to that universe. Uh, kind of like some of the diehard films are all different in their own way. What was kind of challenging about this particular film in terms of coming up with this story and working with uh, this team of writers? I think it was one
0: to retain the fun action spectacle of the first two, so that you didn't alienate the fan base, but also let them know you're going to get something new this time. Um, the thing with you know with Jerry Butler when he called me to come in on this franchise, his biggest thing was I don't want to make a sequel. I don't want it to be still repetitive of the first two movies. Again, I want to take that big, fun action um, spectacle of it. But I want to make it more character driven this time. So it's not plot driven like the first two, you know, the taking of the White House and the assassination of the world leaders but this time the man, you know, and really show the complexity of him and not have him be this one man wrecking crew um, all the time this time let you know let's let's put him on defense with the, with the fugitive angle which i loved but let's also get into his story like a more of an origin story so that if you do know the franchise you're getting an origin story of mike banning but if you don't know the franchise you can come in here like a standalone movie and experience everything for the first time without any homework at all and have a great time and then you go back and visit olympus has fallen and london has fallen
1: do you look at any other films for homage as you're creating your own or new angles, new action takes, uh, specifically with Angel Has Fallen?
0: No. Um, sometimes that, yeah, the, the only, the only the film that inspired me is I've been very fascinated about making a movie like the Roaring Twenties, which was a Jimmy Cagney, um, Humphrey Bogart movie about two men who were in battle were in war together and ended up on opposite sides of the law. So what would it like, what would it be like to, spill blood um, in battle with your fellow brethren only to have to hunt hunt them down or to be, you know, adversaries. So, I mean, that was the only leap of, um, of, uh, of another movie that, you know, that I took on for me, every time I take on a movie, I'm looking for where's my originality. What is my brand? How am I going to put my stamp on this? It's not going to emulate other movies and let's face it, you know, no matter what we do, there is going to be some type of relationship to to other pictures, just because of the obviously the, the the quantity of films out there and in every genre. Right, you're always going to you're always going to be a little bit close to something. But for me, I don't even look at reference um, video um, movies or think about other things. I'm trying to go when I read this, and I'm putting my point of view. What is my brand? What is my sense of um, thrust in this? Where do I want to put my originality to it? The thing that we did obviously look at is I definitely looked at the Olympus has fallen and London, London has fallen movies, not how they were shot, not how their style was, not for their tone, but just their character arcs like, you know, the evolution of the Alan Trummel, Morgan Freeman character. Right. Seeing his character end up as the president of the United States. Well, the protector and the protected become very close, you know, especially over the evolution of time. So to have this kind of paternal sense that, you know, Alan Trumbull has over the Mike Banning character, I thought was super interesting, especially as we're going to meet his real blood father, you know, and realize that the sense of abandonment that Mike Banning has felt all these years. And that's maybe why he's so close to um, Alan Trumbull. It's also maybe the reason that drives him to be this one man wrecking crew and not afraid of violence. You know, it's, is there an anger inside for being abandoned and that's how he unleashes on the enemy. So there's, there's, there's things that I look at, storylines, but as far as tone, style, or the way they're shot, no, I'm, I'm hopefully only coming in with my own, my own wares, you know, for better or for worse.
1: Well, listen to some of your other uh, video interviews for your previous films. It seems like you always have a very um, clear idea of what the theme or the, or the thread's going to be for the film. How important is it for you to find that you know, main idea when you're writing or directing to always kind of come back to this grounded area? It, it's everything for me. Um, the first two things
0: I look at, whether a script is amazingly written um, or it's a complete donkey, you know, it's what's the hook? Why would want p- Why would people want to go see it? What is a? What's the thematic thread of it that makes it relevant? That makes it interesting or unique? You know, those are the things I'm looking for because once you have that, then you can always hopefully fix a script or elevate it. Um, in this case. When I read Angel Has Fallen, um, it was not until Jerry had called me directly and said, look, you know, the script structurally is interesting. And we love the hook of not doing another set-driven movie or uh, plot-driven movie, I should say, like the first two. But this time it's Mike Banning being framed for the assassination attempt so that we can watch him go on defense for the first time and become the fugitive." Well, I love that hook. Like, that's a cool hook for a character, right? Because it's a way to spin the Mike Banning character on its head and then show way more complexity to it. But we did a page one rewrite of that script to put it in the tone that I wanted it to shoot, you know, in the way that I wanted to capture the complexities of war addiction. You know, what is it like to be addicted to the adrenaline rush of war to the point that you come home and the only thing you know is to hold the gun so you go right into law enforcement the way Mike Banning did it. So you get to bring these relevant issues to things that actually end up becoming a part of the character, but at the same time, they become bigger themes that you can run through the movie. And so I'm always, that's literally everything for me at the beginning. Because if I feel like I know what that is, um, then I can do anything with it. And, you know, Greenland, the movie that we just finished, that I'm in post on, it's all about humanity. It's all about what people are capable of doing to each other if the world is going to end and if it's life and death. And so, that theme to me was extremely clear of what the hook of that movie was. But that, but yeah, that, that is everything for me.
1: Tell me a little, so you this one was more of a, you kind of came in and, and worked on the rewrite. When you're working on your original stories, do you have the hook and the entire outline done before you actually start writing? Or usually when in the process does the hook come about for you? Um,
0: the hook? Day one. If I don't have the hook, I'm not going to write a page. Um, um, I, I have to know the hook. I have to know what I'm why why it even matters to even write it in the first place. Because if I am not going, if I don't see a reason for me to spend, you know, days on end, of months and weeks to, to writing a script, then why would people go pay to see this? You know, why would people want to actually actually watch the final product? So the hook it becomes it goes for before anything. As far as outlines, very rare. Um, In fact, I don't remember the last time I even did an outline. Um, Most of the time, I kind of know the hook. Well, first of all, I know the hook, and then I've got a good idea of where the beginning and the middle of the end of the movie is, just kind of where I want the the, the overall arc to go. But I like the freedom to kind of just get in there and start writing. Um, I've written so many scripts at this point that structure is kind of a second nature to me. I don't really even think about it anymore. I just kind of know where I'm at in the, in, the, um, in, the, in the process of it and where you should be, you know, in the movie at certain points. And, you know, I don't really stay too strict to that. But I feel like once you start really understanding how to craft a story, the actual structure of it figures itself out because the turns and the involvement and the of the character and the changes and the turns will come in, a, in their natural course.
1: So someone not familiar with your work may look at uh, these four films as very similar, and they are kind of in the in the same genre, perhaps. But you know, Felon and Shot Caller are, are original stories from you, I believe, based on some of your time doing research in the prison system. Snitch is uh, based on a true story. Now you're working on you know the third of a of a franchise. Um, do you do you find yourself looking for greater and greater responsibilities, bigger stories to tell? What's kind of your arc? I know it's probably not planned, but in hindsight, what's kind of your arc to your career going towards Greenland?
0: Well, I think that, you know, these flukes come out of nowhere that you realize that are destined for you, you know, and Snitch was a fluke. You know, I was came off a felon and was looking to go in a completely different direction, and then they said, well— you know, we got this other movie about this father goes in the drug world and kids in prison. I'm like, ah, I just did a prison movie and I'm eventually going to make Shot Caller. That was always the plan was to bookend um, those two movies together to where they became each other's companion piece. You know, two different stories of two different men, but going navigating through the, the same world. And, you know, one becoming a violent prison gangster and the other one making it out as a survivor. So that was always the pipeline for me of what I wanted to achieve. But then this script like Snitch comes along and this story and knowing that it's true, is just too hard to pass up because for me, I felt like at that point in my career, I'm always looking for that first person point of view of everybody wants to know what it's like to survive prison. Okay, well, we're going to show you that. But then when you find a, a, a story like Snitch and you're like, I would, how far would we go to protect our kids? Well, this movie proves it, you know? And so there's always these different things that come about and you're just like, Oh my God, I have to, I have to make that, that story. And Greenland was one of them. And, you know, there's a book that I've optioned called stars go blue. That's all about end of life. And, you know, how do we live our lives with dignity, but you know, how do we end them with dignity, whether we choose end of life or we don't choose end of life, um, you know, um, things. And these are obviously really big issues that, you know, we're having in the world today. And, you know, with, um, Growing old, you know, as um, as um, as um, citizens of our of our of our area, and you know that'll be a smaller movie that I'll end up making. So they're never really about the size. Um, there's going to be big scope movies that I'm going to make for sure, and there's going to be other ones that are going to be more intimate and small. And it really just becomes about one: what is the hook and the story that I love and the themes that I want to capture that I have to tackle, and then what I try to do, and I feel like. There's been some really responsible um, filmmakers, and then other ones that have been very irresponsible. Um, I won't name them, but what I'm talking about is that there's been some very responsible filmmakers knowing um, the style of movie they're making, and then putting it into a business model that can hopefully be successful so that you're not making the 80 million dollar art film that should have been made for 15 million, you know or 10 million, um, or vice versa, you know that you find your pocket. Angel has fallen, I think, was very well priced, um, a little too well, you know, as far as how hard we had to um, tackle the movie to get the scope that we wanted. But it's in a business model that it's going to be a success. And so for me to keep telling the stories that I want to tell, then I try to be the right business partner to the financiers in the studio and to make sure that we're in a price point where we're all going to win. The thing is going to make money. And if when it makes money, they're going to let me tell my stories. So I'm always looking for that responsible place to, to pocket things. And so you're going to see me jump all over the place, you know, I probably will do a hundred million dollar movie one day or a hundred million plus, but there'll be a reason for it. There'll be a reason that I love the story and the thematic of it and feel like it, 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 it um, justifies a budget of that size. And you're going to see me make stuff that's under 10 million still too. I mean, it just, it just depends on what it is
1: what's well, been possibly the most difficult aspect from the director's chair for you between balancing budget and also working to make sure you're creating a film that's both entertaining but also informative it's
0: everything you just said <laughs> so, you know it's a it's a very hard balance i try to walk this fine line of i think that what sidley the met brought to movies you know a dog day afternoon and the verdict and all these great movies where you felt like you were watching something that had a message to it. You weren't being beaten over the head about it. You just, it made you think it was provocative material. It it, shit, it, it hit hot topic, hot hot topic buttons, but at the same time you were entertained. You know, you just had this great ride you're in the performances and you felt like you're watching this great piece of cinema, but then you walked out of the theater and you couldn't stop talking about it. Hopefully I'm doing some form of that, you know, that I'm trying to keep you in a place where, uh, as my, uh, my longtime former agent and still very close in my life, Nicole Clemens, would say, "Tide the peas in the mashed potatoes. It's a way of finding these um, controversial themes, finding these hooks that um, really will make it people talking, but not hitting them over the head with message. It's still making this big entertaining um, movie that can be um, financially viable as well as creatively viable. And hopefully they're still talking about it afterwards. And, you know, you've created debate, you know, with, with shot caller and felon, you know, I get, I get asked a lot of times, well, what do I think about prison reform? I don't know what prison reform is. I can't tell you, but my job is to put you on the 50 yard line of something controversial and show you both aspects of it and then create debate because when debate happens then hopefully change happens.
1: I saw one interview you did and it may have been a couple of years ago. Now I've watched a couple in a row, but, Uh, You mentioned you've written at least 50 scripts over the years. How do you know when a script is done? Are you constantly transitioning back and forth? You said you kind of write every day. How do you choose what the focus is for that day, possibly when there's not a deadline? Like what kind of makes you instinctively go towards one script over another?
0: I'm getting better at it, Um, uh, meaning not better at writing, hopefully I am, but I'm getting better at knowing that barometer of when it's it's, um, not getting overcooked or where it's in the right space or where it's in the right place for that right time, like where it, when it's ready to go to financiers, or when it's ready to go to actors. And then, you know, what is that, what does that draft have to have then the production side of it, you know, now I'm rewriting in the production and figuring out what are the aspects that need to be in that, you know, um, and, and that draft. And it becomes a continual thing that, you know, um, till the, till the point of, the completion of film, um, the filming, and then you know, like Greenland right now, um, you know, I'm in the edit bay for the first week, uh, with Gabe, you know, my editor, and we're rewriting the movie as we speak, you know, because we're looking at how the material was shot, new things come up, um, things you didn't need, things you do need, um, or things play differently, and you're starting to find this cool rhythm. So, I think that the evolution of the creative never stops, um, until the final print, but, um, as far as the evolution of the writing. You know, I think that the more seasons you get and the more experience and, that you get, you know, as far as in the, especially in the working sector of it, like to get movies made and actually produced and onward, you just kind of get into a rhythm of like where they need to be at a certain process, the way that you get into a rhythm. As a director, to know where your cut's supposed to be in the process, where, how far the director cut should be along until the first preview, and you know how far along it should be, you know when you, you know when you're getting further down the road into the mix and all that stuff. Scripts are no different.
1: Is there any specific advice you wish you had possibly before you made the movie *Felon*? Anything that you've learned over these these last four films uh, you kind of wish you had known before?
0: I think there's always an if a would a should have could have attitude about things, you know, but I think that what I try to do is learn on everything, and the best advice I ever got was from Jerry Bruckheimer, and uh, when I called him and said, okay, they're giving me my shot, man, and I can't wait to do it. Do you have any uh, last-minute advice? And he said, yeah, don't fuck it up. <laughs> and it was the best advice I could have possibly ever gotten because I realized that we're given a gift to tell um to tell stories in this business and play in a sandbox, and I take my job very seriously. Um, not I don't take myself seriously, but I take my job very seriously and i and I always remember the responsibility to everybody involved, but at the end of the day, whether it's you know a two point seven million dollar movie like felon or You know, obviously, a tremendous amount more. Like Angel has fallen, somebody wrote a check for you to tell your story, and there's an obligation to that to do it right. And and they're very hard to get made. So I think it really is more about taking it seriously in a way where you don't squander any opportunities, and also knowing that every day you're you're waking up and you're getting on the set and doing your thing, that you know give it all you got because it ain't gonna, it's not gonna happen again. Not that one moment.
1: You've mentioned Greenland once or twice already. It looks like Gerard Butler is going to star in this one as well. Can you give us any more details about the film?
0: Yeah, it's very much like A Quiet Place or World War Z or uh, War of the Worlds. Um, It's a disaster film um, told from the inside out. The way that Angel Has Fallen is told from the inside out as an action film uh, about a family that um, finds out that um, a comet that was supposed to go by the earth is now actually going to impact, and it and very well could be a planet killer. And they've been selected for um, um, shelter in Greenland. And it's all about their journey trying to get to this shelter, but it's also about how humanity would turn on itself. You know, Shot Collar shows what would happen in a society that's violent like prison. Um, and I'm trying to show you with Greenland, you don't need a prison for people to become, um, to turn on each other. And watch good people do bad things and bad people do good things. You know, it just takes life or death. and A, 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 a situation that, you know, forces people to, to, um, to change their own moral code.
1: Thank you for tuning into the show. If this is your first time listening, please log on to iTunes or SoundCloud and give us a rating. Providing a rating or sharing content is one of the best ways to help the series grow. Make sure to also follow or like us on your favorite platforms like Instagram, Facebook, or the new YouTube series we've started. And check for daily updates over at creativeprinciples.live.